Can you remember a time when you thought someone you disagreed with might actually be right? In the new podcast, You Might Be Right, former Tennessee governors Bill Haslam and Phil Bredesen pose that question to guests like Paul Ryan, Al Gore, and Judy Woodruff. Come for the stories, stay for the substance and expert insights into some of the most challenging issues facing the country, including affordable housing, crime, and education. Listen to You Might Be Right, a new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee, available wherever you get your podcasts. Let the word go forth. Fool me once. Are you fired up? I'm not a crook. Are you ready to go? Shame on, shame on you. It's Abe Lincoln's Top Hat, hosted by Ben Kissel. Fool me, can't get fooled again. Um, all right, everyone. Welcome to the show. I am Ben Kissel. That is Marcus Parks. Marcus, how are you, buddy? I'm okay, Ben. How are you? All right. So obviously we had the election. <laughs> we had the election on Tuesday. And, we had uh, it, obviously. I just want to get this. Uh, so we're going to talk about it. We're going to talk, uh, you know, how Donald Trump was able to pull off one of the greatest upsets in political history. There's no denying that. Um, and uh, we'll try to uh, not openly weep, uh, which is fine, um, you know, because the people have made the decision and we do have to trust the process. And uh, again, trying to maintain uh, optimism, uh, things could... Uh, it, Sarah Palin is being considered for a cabinet position, but I'm not going to freak out at the start of the show. Oh, okay, Department but, of the Interior, why not? She knows... I got an interior. She, she knows about interiors, I suppose. Um, I, okay, so election day for me started off um, with a with a phone call from Chase Bank, mm-hmm. and uh, and I was like, okay, what's this? It's never good when your bank calls you. They're never like, you're a millionaire. <laughs> My identity had been stolen. Somebody oh. had spent nine hundred dollars at a Target, and they're like, I think they bought athletic gear. We don't think it's you. And I was like, you are correct about that. And then my initial thought was, my God. Trump, this is his campaign getting me angry the day of the uh, election to go vote for him. I was like, they they, 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 caught, they staged the whole thing. His, uh, we'll steal people's random identity or identities randomly, guaranteed to support Donald Trump. Uh-huh. If they just go into the uh, voting machines, just live it and believing that everybody's out to get them, which a lot of people, uh, you can argue anger was the emotion uh, that motivated many people. I think anger uh, was the emotion that motivated mo- motivated most people. Many, yes, many, many, many of uh, the people who went to the polls on Tuesday. Um, so uh, it was interesting. The whole day I, I went to vote, and uh, Gary Johnson was able to get three percent. I do not. There's been a lot of uh, third party hatred. I do not believe that Donald or that Gary Johnson took away from Hillary Clinton. Certainly not in the numbers that he would have had to to affect the election uh, or sway it in one way or another. Um, nonetheless, I'm. I, I immediately go to a bar after that because you, I got my new debit card, went to vote, went to a bar because that's a, this is America mm-hmm. and that's what we do. And I texted my mother. Now, my parents, as listeners will know, are extremely evangelical Christian. I, uh, I grew up in a home where you could not curse. I remember I was talking to my friend Jared on the telephone way back in the day when we had landlines. So you had to speak publicly. To speak privately with your friends, you had to do it in the kitchen mm-hmm. around your entire family. And I said, it sucks, like just referring to some random thing, maybe a New York Knicks game or something. And my father beat the tar out of me because he's like, do you know what it sucks means? And I was like, well, both of my older brothers do. Uh, <laughs> Uh, that's for damn sure, and so do your sons, Dad. Uh, they're a bit. They know all about it. Uh, they all know. They know all about it. But um, so I was surprised. Uh, so I was interested to hear how they rationalized this election and who they were going to vote for. So I just sent an, um, a text message to my mother in Florida, 
And I was like, you know, tell me who you're voting for. I, I'm like, I'm, I'm not going to, if it's Trump, that's okay. I just want to like, no. And she sent back a message saying we're voting pro-life, pro-Israel. Uh, we don't like the vessel uh, or the messenger rather, but Trump, you know, they voted for Donald Trump. And I, at that moment, I realized like we've been talking about, and you specifically uh, do a great job of uh, bringing it up regularly, Marcus, the hypocrisy of the evangelical right. Was, has just shown itself in, in all of its um, uh, lack of glory. I mean, I, I, as soon as I got that message from my parents, like the fact that they could rationalize voting for somebody uh, who uses the verbiage that he uses. And again, we got I got some messages on Twitter being like, you do a serial killer podcast. You guys swear all the time. It's like, honestly, even if I did run for president, I would stop swearing and talking about the menstruation uh, cycles of, of random television anchors that are interviewing me. Okay, yeah. so um, so I, I I thought that was there was some there was a, a moment in my head where I did feel as if um, you know this really could be a, a, it's possible that somebody like Donald Trump could win um, because they swayed a Midwestern family transplanted into a state Florida and who are evangelical to their core. Um, so I was surprised that my mother, who I've never heard swear, she has one glass of wine and uh, and she's like, I am done for the decade. You know, I mean, this is just not them. Yeah. And uh, so when I got that text message, I, I, I was uh, beca- uh, I was aware of how deep the evangelical inroads are and how unbelievably um, I don't want to say the cliche sheeple, uh. but how the institution, specifically the evangelical right. What the leaders say, the people do follow, and uh, and it was never more evident in this uh, election cycle. I don't know what to think right now. What was your Tuesday like? Uh, I slept most of the day. I, Good I, for you. I, <laughs> uh, oh no, my Tuesday, my Tuesday, my how my, what my Tuesday was. Uh, I pretty much just it was a regular day, you know. Like I wrote the script for uh, the Lobster Boy episode we did yes. for the last podcast on the left. Uh, I went out and uh, met Carolina for uh, a couple of drinks before we went to uh, our buddy Cena's place yep. to watch the election. And, you know, uh, sitting there, we were both a little nervous, but a tiny bit nervous. Yeah. Like, okay, like this doesn't seem, this seems a little weird. Something seems a little off here. And then as the night went on, uh, it just became more and more uh, of a reality. We just got more right. and more worried. Like, oh, this is uh, this is not looking good. This and, is this is, uh, this yeah. is looking that we're getting very very nervous here. Uh, and then once Wisconsin fell. Right. Um, that was it. Once the Midwestern firewall for the Clinton campaign started to erode, uh, that was it. I mean, I was, I was, you know, g- very uh, grandiose in my statements that Trump would not only have to swing, uh, uh, sweep the swing states, but he would also have to flip a states. And I thought that was almost impossible. And uh, all of us did. I was certainly made to uh, be looked. Uh, I, I looked like a fool. That's for certain. I'm no helmet Northpoth, <laughs> the only professor in the country uh, to predict that Donald Trump would win. You- um, but we watched that with our friend Cena and, and many uh, women, and I do want to express, um, I mean, and, and even if you are a Trump supporter, that's congratulations, um, but I do want to express, uh, the, I understand, I don't, I will never fully understand what a what a kick in the gut this was, uh, specifically for uh, a Muslim American such as Cena or a woman, um, you know, they had the women were putting the, the uh, gifts at Susan B. Anthony's grave. It was a really, you could see it was a, a momentous yeah. moment. Or my girlfriend, an Hispanic woman. Right. Yeah. Um, 
but being around, I have no, uh, even though I am of German descent, schadenfreude, <laughs> I do not have it. Uh, it was really hard to watch people who were extremely invested in the Hillary Clinton campaign uh, publicly, vocally, uh, got people out to vote. And uh, this entire time they have been either, if they supported Bernie, they they all made the transition over to her. Or uh, And we're going to talk about that. I think the, the momentum for Trump never ended. The, the break... Uh, for the Clinton campaign with Bernie, it, it, I, I think it was a much more fatal uh, break than, than we had previously expected. But it was really hard to watch them be so upset. And I mean, obviously, I was upset. I, you, you just want to cry because the, the room was so tense and uh, the sadness was so real. Funeral-esque. Yeah. Um, you know, better food. I mean, Cena did a great job. I mean, Cena I was always popping. has the best parties. I, will, I mean, they're great oh, parties. Great parties. And the cheese intake, as things got more stressful, I did find a correlation between cubed cheese uh-huh. and my love of it. Um, <laughs> oh, no. We inhaled a whole bowl of pickles. Oh, oh like, good. <laughs> we all stuck to our brands. It's almost like they're real. Uh, so, uh, so yes. So, I, I do want to say our sympathies and hearts go out to the uh, people who, uh, are, you know, are, are really feeling betrayed, specifically many women in this country, although we're going to get into some of the numbers. The numbers for women uh, are not nearly what we thought they would be when it comes to the support for Hillary Clinton, and we'll get into that first in a, in a moment. But if you are uh, in a group that felt as if you were um, used as a wedge issue in this election cycle, specifically a Muslim American, um, in many ways, our hearts and sympathies uh, go out to you, and this country is better uh, than what was shown on Tuesday. And um, and if you're a woman, you know, don't give up hope. There will be a female president. Um, it must it, it has to happen at some point. <laughs> um, right. Yeah. Um, and it's been tough for the Democratic Party. Uh, I do think it, it proved what Michael Moore has been saying regularly, uh, you know, on his Twitter and things like that. The grassroots needs to go back to the Democratic Party. They need to re-engage with the grassroots of the Democratic Party. Don't be don't be afraid uh, afraid of it, um, because that's certainly the thing that the Trump campaign had was grassroots appeal, and that's why he won. And the DNC rejected the grassroots appeal of Bernie Sanders. They rejected uh, anything that might have been the actual will of the people. They went completely with the establishment candidate because it was her turn. Uh, And they didn't go with Hillary Clinton because she was the best candidate. They went with her because it was her turn. I mean, it's Uh, the same thing they did with Bob Dole, for example, in 96 on the Republican side. And uh, and you know what? The Republicans would have done the same thing with Jeb Bush had they had their druthers. Absolutely. Because it was Jeb Bush's turn. I agree. Uh, And I think... At this point, uh, America is, uh, that sort of politicking is over. Mm. Uh, I don't think that's going to be a a part of our national elections anymore. I don't think it's going to be, it's their turn, so they're going to get in. I think people are actually seeing now, like, this is how you win elections in the social media age. In modern America. In modern America, you have to let the people choose who they want, even if it is... Donald fucking Trump. Um, so let's go through a couple of the numbers here. Voter, I don't want to say there was voter suppression because I there weren't many uh, stories about voter suppression. I think it was a voter depression. Yeah. I think this a political cycle played so perfectly into Donald Trump and into people who support him because it was so dirty. It was so disgusting. It was so off-putting to so many rational individuals in this country who just couldn't believe what they were seeing in this reality television show election. Voting was down. Ladies and gentlemen, that is abysmal. 
We need to do better than that. And this is a national, the most important, I know it's a cliche, but I do believe the significance of this national election, specifically given the legacy of the Barack Obama administration, it was a vitally important election to left-leaning individuals who wanted to um, maintain the uh, the policies that they approve that, that Barack Obama has pushed through. Is We cannot do that again. No. Uh, and I think it was because... Again, like I said, the rhetoric was so heated. We were talking about sexual assault on a daily basis, and we normalized it. We were, There was a story about a 12-year-old. Now, this story has since gone away, but nonetheless, the 12-year-old girl who claimed that she was sexually assaulted by Donald Trump, uh, I mean, these, are, these were the mainstream stories throughout this entire election cycle. And I think that depressed people to the point where they said, Fuck it. And that's exactly what Donald Trump had to have happen. He had to have people say just his African-American outreach. What do you got to lose? He had to have the country say, fuck it. Yeah. And they did. Absolutely. Let's go through some of the numbers here. Uh, The popular vote uh, in 2008, uh, around 69 million to 59 million in favor of Obama. Okay. 2012, 60, about 66 million to 61 million Obama. This election, about 59.8 million versus 59.6 million. That is 10 million people less right. voting. 10 million people. Out of those three, Trump got the least amount of votes out of the last three presidential Republican candidates. He yes. got the least amount of votes out of all of them. 10 million, he got two million. less Democrats voted yeah. in this election. Two million less votes than Mitt Romney got, and he lost the election. Um, so you can imagine this one. If you look, I mean, I always sort of said that Donald Trump's um, approval rating of the, of the percentage that he could get is maybe thirty to thirty-four percent. And if you if you adjust for the lack of voter turnout, if it wasn't a two thousand and eight style election, that's where he's roughly at. Mm-hmm. But because nobody showed to, uh, up to the polls. Um, you know, he was able to win with a uh, with an extremely low number. It's certainly uh, not walking into the White House with a mandate. No. Um, although he's going to have the full, and we'll get into this, he has the full Congress. Uh, he's got the House and the Senate. He has the possibility of four Supreme Court justices. Obviously, Merrick Garland will not be approved by the Republican uh, House at this point. Ruth Bader Ginsburg looks like she's been shrunk down by Ursula, the bad villain in The Little Mermaid. She is elderly. I used that example like a thousand times if you want to cut together a super cut of that. Um, (laughs) Souter could be gone. Kennedy could be gone. Uh, It is possible that Donald Trump uh, has the ability to to fill four uh, Supreme Court seats. So there are... We the only thing that I do take a little solace is in Trump's DNA, he is doesn't even know what a conservative is. Mm-hmm. So he has a fluidity of uh, of political ideology that he used to navigate a uh, a fascinating election cycle. But he wasn't tethered to an ideology, which really helped him. Uh, you know that's why you have alt right, true anti Semites. Many people on the alt right, uh, minus the fact that Milo is one of their stars. You look on alt right Twitter, Milo is one of the good ones. Yeah. Um, and then you have people like my parents voting pro Israel. So you have this evangelical base, extremely pro Israel. Then you have this alt right anti Semitic base, and Trump is able to cobble together this bizarre new re- 
reality, this bizarre new coalition of, of people that we never really saw together before. I mean, Israel is already saying that the dream of the Palestinian state is over. When they came it, out immediately and said that the yeah. Palestinian state is no longer a possibility, and they might very well be right. When there was a mock poll, a mock election in Israel a few days before uh, Tuesday, November 8th, and Trump won it. Mm-hmm. And I saw that, and I got a feeling, too, in my heart, just like, that's there goes the evangelical vote. Yeah. It's almost more important to them. The evangelicals look at Israel as the, you know, that's the Holy Land to them as well. You know, granted, they want them to take Gaza Strip and then Christians are going to go kill them. And I don't fully understand it. <laughs> we don't really you know, understand it, it all that much. It doesn't seem to make sense. No. Um, they're just kind of like setting up the fight. Yeah. Um, but as soon as that happened, I was like, my God, th- that goes. The evangelicals look at Israel, take it so seriously, and they have such a protect. They are, you know, the only real true democracy in the region is Israel. And uh, the support for them cannot be underestimated. No, it absolutely cannot. Uh, these The evangelicals uh, are extremely disappointing. The lack of turnout on the Democrats is extremely disappointing. Uh, the uh, people that believe that Donald Trump is going to bring back jobs is extremely disappointing because he's not going to turn the robots off, and that's what he would have to do to bring your jobs back, and that is what brought a lot of people uh, in Pennsylvania over to his side, a lot of people in Michigan back over to his side, but right. I just don't think they know exactly how globalization works. It's not that they're taking your job somewhere else, it's that they gave your jobs to robots, uh, I'm extremely disappointed in, in those people for not seeing that. Uh, but I'm also extremely disappointed in, in people uh, that didn't pay attention to that at all, that didn't pay attention to what yeah. those people were actually feeling and what those people were actually thinking. They, didn't, they just didn't want to pay attention to any of that. Right. There's no denying. You're completely correct. I mean, automation has been devastating towards the white working class of this country and the working class of this country entirely. But at the same time, Donald Trump, like you were alluding to, towards the end. At the same time, Donald Trump didn't go into West Virginia, stare coal miners in the face, and tell them that they were going to put them out of business. Yeah. You know, so there were some strategic decisions made by the Hillary campaign that I was scratching my head about. And, I mean, we could discuss a little bit, maybe going for uh, in the future here, what celebrity endorsements mean from here on out. <laughs> I do think the, uh, the, the Ted Nugent supporting Donald Trump versus the Lena Dunham supporting Hillary Clinton – uh, did it help or did it hurt? We can have that's more of a philosophical question. I personally, throughout this election cycle, has been fairly annoyed with who I believe to be po- people who just follow politics when the election starts and they turn it off as soon as it's done. And even if you're a celebrity, it doesn't necessarily mean that you should be the voice or tell individuals how to vote. And I think, you know, like Lena Dunham in her rap video, for example, um, I think it turned a lot of people off. Yeah. Was specifically uh, not, to, I mean, I'm not blaming these people at all. I want to clarify. I'm just saying what I saw, Sarah Silverman, for example, yelling at Bernie Sanders supporters, yeah. telling them to grow up. That's not how you motivate people to get to the polls. And so I think there was just such a disconnect and such a lack of passion for the Hillary campaign. And in, in a change election, which is what this was, change to what? 
We don't know. Uh, it was a very gloomy day in New York City on Wednesday, and I'm like, in Trump's America, this is sunny. Um, you know, <laughs> it was a does? gloomy. It's a gloomy morning today. Like yeah. I rode the train to the studio today, and it's just people are staring vacantly off into space. Just nobody really knows what to do because nobody knows what's going to happen. Right. Nobody knows where we're going to go from here in New York City. Even if uh, you are a uh, couple of white dudes like we are. We know uh, a lot of people who aren't. You know, we mm-hmm. know we know a lot of people who aren't white straight dudes like we yeah. are. And like, of course, and they are, and those people are terrified right now. And you know, and, and a lot of people are taking this opportunity to be mean spirited. You know, maybe even against straight white men. I mean, there is a lot of flack that, uh, that you know, not all straight uh, white men are to blame for this. As a matter of fact, let's take a look at some of the numbers here regarding men. Trump got fifty three percent. Clinton got forty one percent. But here is a really Shocking statistic in my personal opinion, Marcus, and I want to know what you think. For women, Trump 42%, Clinton only 54%. Yeah. This is the first female president in our country's history. 54% of the female vote. And I'm not a woman, believe it or not. <laughs> um, I don't fully understand how she was not able to carry. What they were banking on was these huge margins amongst minority groups the silent and women. Ma- the silent majority, was that's what they were saying in the days leading up. And my God, uh, did the Trump loud uh, majority, they never shut up, they showed up. And the silent majority for Hillary Clinton maintained that silence on Tuesday. 54%. I mean, I thought it would be 70-30, specifically, yeah. not just because she's a woman running in, uh, the first uh, on the top of the ticket of the national political party for the first time, but because Donald Trump, his rhetoric towards women throughout this entire process has really been, um, it, it makes you sick. Yeah. What he's been talking about. That Billy Bush, uh, if you watch the full three-minute extended thing with the Billy Bush. Now, granted, I mean, I understand people on the – people on the the Hillary has her flaws. Uh, and I think the I think the Bill Clinton stuff really hurt. But, um, you know, that Billy Bush thing where they, they really do plot a, a, a minor – I don't want to say minor, but it's a sexual assault to some degree. Yeah. They're talking about that, and the woman shows up, and, he, and Billy Bush is like, I'll give the Donald a hug. It's so gross. And um, – and inappropriate, and so I, I thought it would galvanize uh, female support in in droves to Hillary Clinton, regardless of oh my God, what did she do to Monica and how she has protected her husband's um, activity, you know? And I think maybe that nullified it just enough where people were able to rationalize the argument. Donald Trump said something in a boys' club on a bus with Billy Bush. Hillary did this, this, and this. So I don't, I can't fully get behind her. I'm not, I, I mean, I would love to hear, and please go to the Abling and Stop at Facebook group. I would love to hear the perspective of a woman who maybe did not vote for Hillary Clinton or uh, did vote for Hillary Clinton, and, and why, what do you think the reasons are behind the lack of enthusiasm? I mean, you know uh, the difference between Hillary Clinton and Obama? Hillary Clinton got one point more, one percentage point more than Barack Obama. It did not matter. Donald Trump's rhetoric about women did not matter. It had zero impact on this race. Zero. Going back to that text I got from my mom, I know it's an extremely small sample size. (laughs) Um, But our good friend, uh, a a girlfriend of a friend of ours, her mother also uh, voted for Trump. Um, 
it was, uh, yeah, I mean, the fact that they would, it, it is interesting because a lot of times people consider the Republican Party um, a destruction towards the middle class. They, they find the Republican Party to be a party of elitists. And, you know, there's that great book, What the Hell is Wrong with Kansas or What Happened to Kansas. Basically, it just um, discusses how Republican policies has actually really hurt this state, but yet it tends to go red. Um, you get, you wonder... If uh, if there was a similar situation within women uh, and uh, and they're voting on Tuesday, if they just did not uh, if they just did not see the benefit of voting for Hillary Clinton, um, if they didn't see, uh, you know, if they didn't believe in that her policies that she's proposed would actually change anything. I just I don't fully understand it. And uh, that's the only thing I could see. Did they vote against their own best interests or are they more enlightened? The other side of that is. It's kind of amazing they didn't vote with what Susan Sarandon said, her vagina. Susan Sarandon, of course, a huge left activist supporting Jill Stein. That was another one where I was like, man, that's a pretty big deal. Yeah. Um, you know, because she was, she galvanizes people on the left. Certainly, Susan Sarandon's been in politics ever since, you know, I was 18 and could actually vote and follow them. Yeah. Um, so I, I, I'm just interested to hear why that vote was so low. I'm not sure. I mean, it could be that women just completely ignored all of that type of shit and just went more with fear than uh, how they believe the president should present himself, how and, he should act. Because, I yeah. mean, really, like a, 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 tr- a vote for Trump, I think for so many people, was a vote uh, in either fear or anger. And I think anger was a really big driving force totally. uh, in this election. And it's not just, you know, anger against the establishment. Uh, it's anger against American life in general. People are, I mean, I, I we live here in New York City. So we, we live in a bubble. Uh, we get out fairly often because we do live shows out here and there. I go back to Texas fairly often, so I get a, a fairly good sample size. Uh, but here things don't really seem all that terrible like here things seem all right uh and maybe mm-hmm. it's that we can't get it as much because like we live in such a multicultural atmosphere we we live uh in a town where i can hear three different languages on a 30 minute train ride to work you know right. I, I can hear three different languages and i can be on a subway car uh that is filled with people from seven different countries uh and we don't even think about it anymore it's right. just something like the other is not even really a concept to us uh but i think in the rest of the country the other is such an extremely real concept uh but i don't really know if people's lives are actually being affected by that or if they just perceive it to be affected by that and that perception of the other coming to get you no matter who it is that perception could be what propelled donald trump into the white house is this it's all about it's perception it's smoke and mirrors it's illusion but to that perception that's why bernie sanders by all i mean we can't really trust the polls as we've learned in this cycle but by many metrics bernie sanders would have beaten donald trump talk about somebody who channeled into that anger yeah and talk about somebody who channeled into middle class frustration bernie sanders did it obviously coming from a much more in my opinion optimistic uh view extremely so. although what he his his rhetoric against the wealthy you know it is it, it that does create the boogeyman that does create the person that's taking your jobs that creates the 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 reason that you're down in life is because of you know and that's what donald trump used uh is that's what donald trump's immigration policy got into the uh you know it, you know that hit the core of the republican party the same way that bernie's spread the wealth message hit the core of the democratic party i mean the only difference is that you know bernie sanders was right 
And he, could, uh, <laughs> he was a folk singer, too, when he was a mayor. Um, uh, you know, like Bernie said, like that that message uh, was that I think that rang true with so many different like I, I know. I mean, my mother, I'm pretty sure voted for Trump as well. Uh, yeah. And she told me I remember I was talking to her just a couple of weeks ago and she said emphatically that she would have voted for Bernie Sanders. Yeah. That she said she loved Bernie Sanders. Interesting. <laughs> and really like Bernie Sanders spoke to her so deeply uh and she absolutely loved the guy uh and i think that might also be why you know just so why no one really flipped over uh to hillary clinton because i think bernie sanders wasn't just resonating with the left he was resonating with the right as well we've talked about it before in the show people laughed at us believe it or not i not and it wasn't <laughs> when i was making a joke the venn diagram of trump supporters and bernie supporters there is something in the middle there that's fairly big there is something there was something huge there uh and I think Bernie was a guy that people could have felt really good about uh, and Trump and I think that's why the voter turnout was so abysmally, abysmally low I don't disagree because just nobody felt good about the process anything about the process they said fuck it they said fuck it that, that's a, this, this whole country stayed at home and said fuck it if Trump wins that's what America deserves yeah. a lot of that and let's also not forget dynasty politics are not loved in this country no the, the Republicans were purged of their uh, dynasty choice uh, with Jeb pretty much immediately I mean he was gone after South Carolina um, and dynasty politics there is something ingrained in this nation's DNA we just do not love the idea of power being, uh, uh, you know, held by by the same entities over and over again. We just hate it, and so that played negatively in a change election. Not only to have someone who uh, is a former politician, but to have somebody who is formerly in the White House in a change election, that hurts. Yeah. Um, so let's just go through some other numbers. Eighteen to twenty-nine year olds did their job somewhat uh, by Democratic standards for Hillary Clinton, 55% for Clinton, 37% for Trump. But even that number is low for Clinton. Yeah. Only 55% of 18 to 29-year-olds. Uh, for 45 to 64-year-olds, Trump got over 50% at 53%. Clinton, 44%. 65-plus, Trump, 53%. Clinton, 45%. Whites in general... 58%, Clinton 37%, and blacks, I mean, you remember when we were talking, maybe he gets 1%, 80, uh, 88% for uh, for Clinton, but 8% for Trump yeah. isn't that bad for a Republican, specifically one who has run a campaign like his. Yeah, really not bad at all. I mean, and they, again, he, the voter turnout he, being so low. He gained seven points on that. And, uh, and the, the amazing thing here, uh, the uh, the Hispanics and Latinos didn't come out. Like uh, not not for not for not as much as they thought that they would. Sixty five percent for Hillary, twenty nine percent for Donald Trump. I believe it was thirty four percent voter turnout for the Hispanics as a total. Yeah, and for Trump to get almost thirty percent of the Hispanic vote, specifically for Hispanic women, twenty five percent of Hispanic women. I thought that number was extremely high. Yeah, I was not expecting him to do nearly that well. I mean. And I, but we have talked about this previously on the show. Hispanics, as a voting uh, block, tend to be conservative. Yeah, uh, they they they're pro family. They're many of them are very pro life. Uh, specifically, like we were talking about in Florida regarding um, the the lifting of the Cuba embargo, many Cuban Americans were livid. Mm -hmm. uh, so that helped out Donald Trump. I mean, 
the, the fa- he excelled in in ways that no one expected. I mean, yeah. I thought the the Hispanic vote would come out in droves out of just complete and utter fear over his policies and his rhetoric. But maybe the Hispanic community isn't quite as um, as uh, against. Uh, border security or things like that as we thought. I think that's something that I think that's a mistake that a lot of people made is that I think that people assumed just because someone is Hispanic or Latino that they're going to be pro-immigration. A lot of them are. I mean, again, a lot, a lot of them, right. like, even if they're, you know, they're par- like, listen, I'm here. No more. Right. Don't get, don't, don't bring any more over. No, I, I've got it. This is mine. I've made this mine. Do not bring anyone over here to fuck this up for me. Just oh, because yeah. they're Hispanic doesn't mean that they want more Hispanic immigration. And I think, and I think mm-hmm. that was a ma- mistake that a lot of people made. And once you are once you are granted the franchise, it's not easy to give it up. Yeah, and, and I, or share it. And I think a lot of people could take the uh, you know they're coming over here, they're rapists, they're criminals. I think a lot of people were able to take that statement and twist it into. Yeah, some of them are rapists and criminals. He right. wasn't talking about me. Right. He wasn't talking. I'm one of the good ones. I'm one of the good. He wasn't talking about me. He was talking yeah. about me or my family or my friends. Me and my family are friends. We're we're good people. We're not rapists. We're not criminals. He's not talking about me. Right. He's talking about the the bad ones. He's talking about those other ones. Mm-hmm. So they could still they could twist that. They could turn that around uh, and turn that into something that was almost positive that and they could actually support. You know, there is no denying what happens in Mexico right now with the drug cartels. They are worse than ISIS. Yeah. They are more dangerous. The, the government is completely corrupt. Uh, I had a, I was on John Fugelsang's uh, radio show recently, and, um, and uh, you know, I was just like, what, you know, he, you know, he, we were talking about Libya, and he's like, so we should just go into every, so I, I said, we, do you just want to go into every country that has some strife, you know, and how we armed them and things like that? And he's like, yeah. And I was like, why aren't we in Mexico then? Mm-hmm. Mexico is so much worse than the majority of the nations overseas. <laughs> it is unbelievable. It was the only, I mean, I can share the episode we didn't do. Yeah. Was the Mexican drug cartels. Yeah. It's the only one that's the only thing we won't touch on last podcast. They will. The drug cartels because they are, they are murderous. They will. They're not messing around. No, they're not. They're, they're serious. They're like John Claude Van Damme (laughs) in hard target. They're serious business. Um, So maybe people who do come from Mexico have more of an understanding of what's actually happening over there. And they didn't perceive uh, what Donald Trump was saying as inaccurate or as inaccurate as a lot of the people who live in more homogenous white um, Swedish, Polish, German states in this country who just found it to be so appalling and so offensive when in reality he might have hit on some truth. Um, I think it's also interesting to find some encouragement is the people so many, you know, we think about these voting blocks. We think about individuals and groups as like guarantees mm-hmm. for one group or another. Hillary's going to get the blacks. Trump is going to get the white middle class. Uh, gays are going for Hillary, you know, because of Lady Gaga, which I think is so offensive uh, that gays don't. All, she's not the Pied Piper. Uh, for gays, Lady Gaga. I, yeah, no. it drives me nuts. So same with Cher. <laughs> Nobody's um, the Pied Piper. Maybe of RuPaul. Maybe RuPaul. That's the only. That's oh, the no. only person. RuPaul I is universal. Yeah, well, everyone loves RuPaul. Um, but the fact that they did not vote their race or did not what you know what people how they thought their race would vote or their gender would vote is fascinating and interesting. And I think we might have downplayed the actual political 
um, knowledge that many of these uh, you know individuals of, of groups have. It, it, it's an individual vote. You don't go in there with your whole family yeah. or with all your friends. You know, you go to that. You you shut the you shut the curtain behind you. And uh, if you're me, you take a picture on your cell phone uh, of your ballot. But, you know, so yeah. it, it, I think it's interesting to think about. Yeah, I mean, voters aren't uh, monolithic anymore. I don't think pe- people are not monolithic. I, I no. mean, that's that's one thing that I, I think we've not only learned uh, in this election, but I think we also learn that just by being on the Internet. You can just be on the oh. Internet and you can see that people are not monolithic. They do not all work together. People have an extremely wide range of ideas and beliefs mm-hmm. uh, that run completely outside of the mainstream of whatever group they belong to. Uh, and But that's the other thing is that really even the mainstream isn't necessarily the mainstream. Like it, it's people. Everyone's different. And yep. everybody uh, has their own opinions, their own beliefs. Uh, and I think what we might get from now on possibly uh, are people actually talking about ideas for the nation rather than yep. just pandering. And I was saying one, uh, I was trying to you know encourage a friend of mine. I was like, one really good thing about the Trump presidency is people will be paying attention. Yeah. You will not have, he will have to explain his policies uh, the best he can. <laughs> uh, which is going to be using a lot of humor, yeah. I suppose. But you know what? We said the same goddamn thing with George W. Bush. You know, we we said after people George, watched, but they just made the wrong decisions. Yeah, uh, I mean, we we said that that's that that is what I can compare this feeling to right now. Is that I, I can compare this feeling to two thousand and four. I mean, we we all remember waking up the next morning on two thousand and four. But even so, John Kerry never really had that it factor. No. You know, I was like I <laughs> mean I voted for Kerry, but, but I wasn't did, like this is my guy. I but was neither did like, Clinton Clinton wasn't our gal, you know? Like she wasn't these people are not our you know, it's it's that you get that sinking feeling going yeah. into it and then you you wake up the next day and you think well, fuck. But well, even though, like, but it's still, that's the only thing I can, but it's also a, a feeling of like, well, here we go again. And that's what I feel like right now. I, I feel like here we go again. We're, we're, I guess we're all just going to have to dust off our I told you so caps from 2008 after the economy collapsed and the Iraq war was a total fucking bust. Uh, and I guess we're gonna, just going to have to put them on all over again. You haven't I tell you? You haven't I told you so cap? <laughs> Where the hell are you keeping these things? We're, we're gonna, we're gonna I put start, it away after Obama You won. put it away? <laughs> you got to wear that all the time, yeah. buddy. Uh, but, but that, I, I, I mean, it, it's very possible i goddamn i hope that it all works out somehow i really hope well, that that it doesn't that this whole thing doesn't end in disaster just like the bush presidency did you know i you hope know, it doesn't end with shit that we're still dealing with to this day because you know that's that was the last time that you know people that's the last time the republicans came up you make a good point and that is the strange irony of all of this we can't wish Donald Trump and his uh, administration ill will. No. I want him to succeed. I want him to do well. He's the president <laughs> of our country. So it's sort of this strange thing where it's like, yes, I did not, uh, you know, openly, uh, I did not vote for you, but um, I would have felt the same way about Hillary Clinton as well. It's like, but I want you to do well. And yeah. so our fingers are just crossed that the version of Donald Trump, again, like we've talked about before on this show, he is a horoscope. You can project any ideals. You can have him saying anything that you want him to be saying because he does say basically anything that you want to hear. And you can cherry pick and choose. Will he be an extremely liberal president? 
Will he go with the anti-TPP, anti-NAFTA route? Will that actually work? Will he actually bring jobs back? Or does he go and take the social conservatism, the evangelical support, and double down on Bush's policies and make them on steroids like Freddy Krueger from The New Nightmare compared to Freddy Krueger in The First Nightmare on Elm Street? <laughs> uh, he has a lot more power uh, as he goes on yeah. and as he collects more souls. And so you wonder if Donald Trump, if he goes that hardcore e- evangelical route with you know Mike Pence, uh, you know whispering in his ear. Uh, that that to me is the uh, that's the that's the part where uh, the culture wars of the country. I don't want to lose that battle. No. Um, but let's just move on quickly here. Again, let's stick with women. And there is a rift in feminism. I was talking to my friend about this last night, and she was really disheartened by it. Um, African American feminists. Black women, they voted for Clinton in the way that we thought the blacks were going to vote uh, for this uh, in this election. Clinton, 94 percent. Trump, 4 percent. And I think that was Omarosa voting like eight times. Uh, I'm pretty sure that was all Omarosa, who I got to meet. She was very nice. I would imagine. Um, And then white women. So 94 percent for black women voted for Clinton. White women, 53 percent for Trump. Trump won amongst white women, and that has caused a lot of questions to be had, specifically in the feminist uh, movement right now. What does that mean? Uh, We've been breaking things down by gender, but what does it mean when 94% of uh, black women vote for uh, Hillary and 53% of white women vote for Trump. I mean, that to me was stunning. I was, I'm, I'm, st- I, I say the numbers out loud. I'm still stunned. Yeah, me and uh, a few buddies of mine from college got on a uh, election night text chain, uh, and we were joking about that before the election. Uh, you know, we were joking about like, well, you know, he's not going to take uh, white women. He's not going to take uh, minorities. So you know, he's not going to take the popular vote. And I joke that you know the only white women he's going to take are ones with blonde highlights in their hair. You know, just and what's wrong. With them, Marcus. <laughs> well, you know uh, that—that's the only thing. That was the only voting block that I of, of white women that I that I thought would actually go for them. But uh, but fifty four percent of of white women. I, I I guess it just uh, I guess they just don't mind. And again, the vote, <laughs> I mean, the, all that the, stuff. I guess they don't. I guess they don't mind. I guess they they obviously thought that Clinton was more of a deplorable uh, than she believed that they were. Um, he, so, so, uh, suburban America, uh, a lot of people thought that he was going to have a hard time in suburban America. They tend to be a little bit more college educated and white uh, with white people with college uh, degrees. They ended up going for Trump. Yeah. 49 percent for Trump. And in suburbanites, uh, in sub, uh, suburban areas, 50 percent for Trump. 45% for Clinton. Rural and small cities, 62% for Trump and 34% for Clinton. That's a strange coalition that we ha- that I ha- cannot remember occurring. I mean, the suburban vote, the suburban housewife vote, theoretically they're talking about white women in that situation. Mm, yeah. um, just everyone projected, guaranteed, I would have bet my entire life that Hillary Clinton would have won over the, uh, the, the hearts of uh, white suburbanite women. Not at all. And she didn't. So, I mean, it, it has been a, uh, it was a fascinating Tuesday. I, I mean, we're going to wa- be unpacking this. We're going to be unpacking Tuesday for months, if not years. Kellyanne, Kellyanne Conway, the, uh, the campaign manager for Donald Trump, will go down as the greatest campaign manager ever uh, in many ways. This was her first uh, election, uh, certainly being the head of a campaign. When he was in Wisconsin, when he was in Minnesota, everyone's like, what is Donald Trump doing yeah, why in these states? Why is he there? And the internal polling from Breitbart, Steve Bannon, I, 
it appear, apparently it was accurate. And it is shocking to think the so-called, you know, the intellectual Nate Silvers of the world, they couldn't have been more wrong in this situation. So you have someone like Donald Trump going to these states, and maybe it was the case where those states felt as if they were just, first of all, Bernie Sanders won Wisconsin. And Rubio won Minnesota, and I believe Bernie won Minnesota as well. I'm not 100% certain on that. But they really were on that. I know specifically Wisconsin was on, they were feeling the burn. Mm -hmm. And I don't think the Clinton campaign was ever able to heal those wounds and then adjust and actually get them to support their candidate. And so for Trump, he saw that as an opening, and the people in Wisconsin were happy he was there. It's Wisconsin isn't New York City. No. It is, it's not Los Angeles. You can't go, um, you know, take a right down some turn and see a celebrity or, you know, go have an amazing dinner at the best sushi restaurant in the world or whatever it might be. You come to my hometown in Wisconsin. I remember when Bush came in 1992. Uh, he came to speak in Stevens Point, Wisconsin, first presidential candidate to do so since I don't even remember how long. People were just thrilled he showed up. Yeah. He could have said he could have murdered a dog <laughs> on stage. And they'd be like, but he came to Stevens Point. Yeah. What a guy. And so for Trump to go and give face to those people, I think politicians should take heed and they should notice what he was able to do because just showing up and letting people just be in their town. I think it means a lot to people. But, you know, that makes things even worse because now that means that these people have to spend more time electioneering than they do. Uh, they have they have to spend more time campaigning than sure. they do run than they do actually doing their jobs, because now that means they have to go to every single little town. So these people can fucking you know feel what? good about themselves so they can yes. feel special. I mean, this whole thing, that's what a lot of this shit is about. It's about people not feeling special anymore. It's a gigantic Temper tantrum. Half of the country threw a temper tantrum and stayed home. Half of the, and 30, or what, what is it? 65% of the country threw a temper tantrum and stayed home because they didn't like how it went. The other 35% came out and they voted against whatever person they hated. They didn't actually right. do any, nobody actually did anything positive here. Everyone, we just had a collective when, temper tantrum as a nation and this is what it got us. And it's continuing to this day. I mean, you've got Democrats going out and, and protesting all, in yeah. all these cities, I mean, it's like, I, I get it. I get why you're doing this, but it, it's it's just this temper tantrum that is that is continuing. I and it's say, having very, already having very real effects on people's lives. You know, it's having a very real effect on the temperature of the nation, how people are being treated out there, uh, how people are acting towards each other. People are getting a lot more aggressive. People are getting a lot more uh, open about racism about bigotry it has been normalized it is here like racism yeah. and bigotry uh and hate has been normalized it is the pre the president has said it is a-okay well you know it's I think the exact it same also, thing that happened in england with brexit but there is a uh you know yes and brexit which is actually turning out to be not quite as the economic disaster that people worried although Theresa may is certainly not loved by everybody over there yeah. we'll see how it works out of course brexit with nigel farage coming over here and openly endorsing donald trump very interesting and that was also sort of you know if you want to go back and read the tea leaves brexit uh, occurring was certainly a um, a uh, a precursor to something like a donald trump victory Trump was on the uh, in in Wisconsin in the Midwest talking about congressional term limits as well. He did hit on some topics that were just abandoned by both parties for a very long time. Mm -hmm. Specifically, that uh, congressional uh, term limits. I mean, we have had a Congress that has hovered around a nine percent approval rating 
for 20 years. Yeah. You know, and so this is, and people just said, oh, we're getting away with it. It doesn't matter. Um, they're still voting us in. And this is, they all of these outstanding, uh, outside circumstances created the momentum that, again, Donald Trump never lost because there was never, he never had a, uh, a candidate outperform him. Um, and it was that, it was that, uh, you know, complete and utter hatred of Washington that gave Donald Trump, that allowed people to forgive Donald Trump for things that would otherwise have been the nail in the coffin, the nail in the <laughs> coffin of pretty much, of all, of any previous politician in the history of this country. Any previous politician. That's I, how much they hate Washington. Yeah, that's it. And that's what it, all of it is. You know, it, it's, well, it's not, be, not what all of it, but I, I think the people that pushed him over, over the top. Uh, the people that pushed him over the top and the people that stayed home, it was all a hatred of Washington and it was a, uh, a hatred of the establishment. Do not kid yourselves, Trump supporters. A large amount of your base are extreme racists that they voted because Trump is the white man. They voted for him because of that. Do not kid yourself. You can say that yeah. you yourself are not that because you know what? The majority of Trump supporters probably aren't, but a lot of Trump supporters are are when you've got David Duke saying that it is the happiest day of his life, you can't deny that. You got to own right. that. If you're a Trump supporter, you have to own that. You have to own that the KKK endorsed your candidate. You have to own how many horrible anti Semites, bigots, and racists love that your candidate has won. You have to own that. I mean, and there, and, and again, have go, the fucking courage and decency to own that, please. You know, and again, but going back to the strange coalition, the pro-Israel evangelical Pat Robertson base, Jerry Falwell Jr. base, um, you can't say that they are, uh, you know, in cahoots necessarily with the KKK or the thinking of the KKK. Um, yeah, I, I mean, you know, and then of course, I don't know. I don't want to be divisive because at the end of the day, this is the time where we have to come together. We just have to heal as a nation. We cannot have four years of riots. I feel like we've had four years of riots uh, these previous uh, four years with some very rational uh, and, and needed movements like uh, Black Lives Matters and, and to some degree even the Tea Party, um, which which was able to um, you know bring light to some issues of that are happening within government and then you know and uh, the government overstepping its bounds. Which now, of course, the alt right is sort of the Tea Party, but uh, the Tea Party had kids that grew up and they got drunk um, and then they trashed the house. But that being said, I, I, I do believe there are also a lot of good people who voted for Donald Trump who did vote because they felt as if they had no other option. You know, and I, Hillary gave them in their minds and in many, many, many people's minds, millions of people. Basically, if you didn't if you stayed home, you voted for Donald Trump. Yeah. Um, in many people's minds, Hillary was just not an option. Yeah. And so it, that's why, you know, Meghan McCain, our friend, just calls this the dumpster fire election. And it really is because there is nothing there. There were so many people just felt so disgusted by both. And the, the, the group of individuals with more of a temperament to deal with, um, you know, disgusting, dark, uh, maybe you know negatively, ra uh, you know racially motivated, um, you know uh, you, you know rhetoric. They were able to still get out of bed and vote. And mm -hmm. the ones that just couldn't deal with how trashy and disgusting this was, watched. And, and again, I do believe it's true. A lot of people, I think, put their hands up in the air and said, "If America wants to elect Donald Trump, uh, they should." Yeah. And then they will will pay for it. And you know, it goes to again. Uh, it, it will. We've talked about this in previous uh, on previous shows. 
I don't want to blame Kim Kardashian. She's just, I actually kind of I respect what she's been able to do. I mean, just make a sex tape and talk about spinning that. <laughs> Good Lord. But we do live in this world now where people watch, don't watch news, this really fake television news. I mean, television news needs to have a complete and utter, uh, they need to remodel the whole thing, or we have to watch it and realize it is entertainment. Yeah. It is not news. They are all biased in their own way. Um, this reality, people need, we need to recognize that there are different layers of importance amongst what we consume. And so you go and you watch Honey Boo Boo, you watch, you know, the, you, you watch, yeah, Keeping Up With Kardashians, whatever it might be. You watch the New York Knicks play, or, you know, if you want to watch a team win, you watch the San Antonio Spurs or the Golden State Warriors. And then you go and you watch somebody like Donald Trump speak, and they carry the exact same relevance. You know, like Lamar Odom going into rehab is just as relevant as, as uh, Donald Trump talking about building a wall or, you know, talking about, uh, you know, bombing the shit out of ISIS. That needs to change. We need to uh, elevate the discourse again in this country. We cannot continue down this slippery slope of, I hate to use the cliche, but idiocracy. Uh, Mike Judge has nailed a lot of things in his career. And we, we just we have to be careful. And we need to put a stop to it. The saddest thing or one of the sad things to me this hurts rational Republicans Ugh. like Ben Sass. We talked about him on the previous show, Nebraska senator. He was a never Trump guy like Paul Ryan to some degree, although Paul Ryan, some people believe he gets a little bit too uh, conservative for their liking. Uh, but this really hurts the rational Republican who wants to you know, run. And um, the fact that Palin might be in the cabinet, the, the fact that Mike Lee is being considered for a Supreme Court justice role, that Chris Christie could be uh, on the Supreme Court weighing that down. I mean, it is, <laughs> it is insane. Um, the, the, uh, the, the, uh, the, uh, the people that will be surrounding this campaign, literally Roger Stone, we know Roger Stone. He is going to be in the White House. Uh, you Jesus know, fucking Christ. Steve Bannon will be in the White House, the leader of Breitbart. Roger Ailes, the man who could not, uh, no longer allowed to be the CEO of Fox News for how he treated individuals, will be in the White House. It's really interesting, the people he surrounds himself with. And I just hope, I hope beyond hope that he embraces some more mainstream rational Republicans, again, like your Ben Sass, John McCain, people like that. You know, I, I, I think you're right in the fact that we do need to come together. Yes, I, I, of course, I used some very uh, angry. I got very angry there for a second. Of course I did. That's the theme of 2016. <laughs> got very angry there for, for, for a second. Uh, but I, I think what, what's going to have to happen in the next four years is that I think that Americans are going to have to start talking to each other more. Uh, because I think if Americans were to talk to each other more, then we wouldn't be in this mess that we're in right now. Mm. Uh, I think if we if we really communicated with each other more, and I think if you know we had the government actually communicate with us more, if we all talked more, talked with each other more instead of talking at each other more. It is possible that Trump gets himself a television show at 7 p.m. every day. So <laughs> I, I do think we might have a government that talks to us a little bit more. Yeah, we might have some more, fi my, the, the fireside chats might come right back up you know, again. And it's funny I, you mentioned that. I really, I wouldn't be surprised if, yeah, he had a Facebook Live every day at 7 o'clock. You know, I really wouldn't be surprised. And I mean, we, you know, we can talk at length here and obviously the show will 
continue, so we'll have a lot more to discuss in the next four years. But yes, a lot of people do compare, you know, how Donald Trump was able to use social media, like with FDR and his fireside chats, what Kennedy was able to do with the television, um, what, uh, you know, what um, Clinton was able to do with the saxophone, yeah. I suppose. Um, you know, or, or Ronald Reagan, you know, his 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 uh, addresses to the nation in a very grandfatherly type way. People are equating Trump to that. Um, it's just a fireside chat sounds so classy. You mm-hmm. would have a good scotch. And a tweet storm from Trump is like Mad Dog 2020. <laughs> and like, yeah, we got a fireplace. And you just like light, uh, put, take your lighter and like light your pack of Marlboros on fire. Yeah. I mean, so, so it's, it's a, a little a, bit different. It's a fireside chat versus a 4chan shit post. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> But that's where we are. That's kind of where that's where we've landed. But you know, it, it is that direct engagement, though, that politicians are going to learn from this because I got tweeted at by Donald Trump and I was thrilled for a week. Yeah, it was fun. You it's, sent me like three texts in an hour. Trump tweeted me. He said, thank you. <laughs> I was all right. Which has given me a lot of like, what did I do feelings yeah. over these past few days? I've definitely yeah. had a few, um, you know, moments, but no, that's okay. We did, our, we did our, we did our best. We did everything we could. You know, we we've we've been here to try to be. Uh, at, at, I mean, it, we never, we I, neither one of us ever hid how we wanted this election to come out. We never hid uh, where our uh, where our beliefs lay or anything like that. But and we're yeah. we're not and we're not hiding now. You know, it's like we we really hope that things work out. I, I hope that Americans start talking to each other again. We'll I, I hope that this uh, upswell uh, that we've been seeing in uh, in violence on both sides uh, dies down after a couple of weeks. I, I hope yeah. that people kind of normalize a little bit and, and come back and, and see where we are and where we have to go as a country. I really hope that uh, just Americans in general can come back from this i hope that people can throw they've thrown their hissy fit you know they, they've they've yep. thrown they've thrown their tantrum and now i hope we can all take a breath uh and first of all we've got to live with the decisions that we've made we all have to live with, live with these decisions mm-hmm. uh and let's hope that the next time i hope everybody you've made your point everyone who voted for trump i'll go ahead and say this you made your point i'm listening we're listening now. What do you want? I mean, it's not a hostage situation, Marcus. <laughs> they don't have our they don't have our firstborn daughter at knife point here. It kind of feels like uh, a, it, it actually well, they, actually they they, you, you kind of hit uh, accidentally hit upon something there. It That's does, a classic Kissel. It does <laughs> it does kind of feel like a hostage situation a little bit. It, it does it does kind of feel like uh, yeah. with Donald Trump, there's a gun to the nation's head, uh, and it's then now it's like okay. What do you want? What are your demands? What do we? What do you need to be happy? Yeah, and we'll and, see. I and mean, now we'll and now we'll see. Now, now we'll see what it is. Yep, we'll just have to uh, hope for the best, and uh, and that's the only thing that we can continue to do. And uh, this nation has overcome a lot, a lot, a lot, and uh, certainly one man cannot crumble this union. And uh, so, and again, uh, there is a finite amount of time where he is in office. He will have again going back. He will have the. Uh, the Senate in the House, so he has two years. Um, we'll just we'll see what happens. Yeah, and, um, and on the other hand, but, he could also fuck up worse than anybody has ever fucked up before. He's impeached, and then we've got uh, Mike Pence. So he did President, do a good job, President of, Pence, which is uh, yeah, a he whole did a good job of just like can of worms. You know, he's just like, yeah, you could impeach me, 
but look who I chose to back me up. You know, like that's a really smart decision on yeah. his part. Yeah. Uh, it's almost like what stand-up comedians do. You never get an opening and act that's better than you. Yeah. Uh, you know, no one ever, uh, you know, wants to, uh, whatever. Uh, they want They want to see Louie. Yeah. They don't care, Louis C.K., or they don't care about the opener as much. Um, so, yeah, so fascinating stuff. Let's not, uh, you know, but do not, everything will be okay. We, we have to be fine. And uh, we're going to keep on coming at you every single week here, and hopefully even more than that. And, we'll, you know, we're going to keep on trucking along. Um, definitely a big blow to media, which we can't, you know what, that's... They, they had a, a lot of these people had it coming, mm-hmm. and that's the way a lot of individuals fear, uh, feel. So thank you guys so much for listening. Uh, go to the Abe Lincoln's Top Hat Facebook page at Abe Lincoln's Top Hat there. You can leave some comments and some messages. Um, strange strange couple of days on there. You can find me on Twitter at Ben Kissel, <laughs> and uh, Twitter uh, is Marcus Parks from Marcus Parks, and his Instagram is also Marcus Parks. My Instagram is Ben Kissel1. Still don't know how to use it. And, uh, yeah, that's about it. We'll talk to you soon. Goodbye, and God bless the United States of America. Is that your, that's your, was that Bill Pullman? <laughs> Is that your Independence Day? <laughs> let's just hope. <laughs> let's just hope. Come on. God no, I won't bless bo- the United States oh. of America. One la- actually, one last thing. It's it's never a good sign when I end election night with a quote from Seven. Uh, <laughs> the world, the box? The world is a fine place and worth fighting for. So remember that. It is. Check on your wife also. <laughs> Make sure she's okay. <laughs> For more shows like the one you just listened to, go to cavecomedyradio.com.